Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games, where we sometimes don't talk about horror video games, <laughs> I guess. Right? Whoops. Like, yeah. Yeah? Okay, so we're talking about Hitman. Yes. You know how I feel about this game. Yeah. But do you know how I feel about this game? <laughs> that, that's what we're going to find out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Zero Brightness. Uh, if you want to sign up to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You get extra episodes every week. We've actually done over a hundred episodes. If you combine the main series and zero brightness plus that's crazy. Kind of insane. Kind of insane. Uh, and we have a discord. You can jump in, talk to us, et cetera, et cetera. You know what to do. We also have t-shirts and music that we sell on our Bandcamp. You can find links to everything at zerobrightness.com. Yes, I love it. Um, so before we, we jump into talking about Hitman, I want to kind of talk about the show a little bit and where we're at with the show. Because I'm sure some people are like, what is going on with you guys? You're making all these crazy episodes. There's no schedule. And now you're talking about a game that's not even a horror game. Uh, <laughs> the answer to that is that I have no answer to that. But I have been thinking about the show, and I sort of kind of want to talk about where we're at with the show. Because I do, mm. I want people to know that if you're kind of like along for the ride, and you like listening to the show, and you enjoy the show, we are just sort of going to do what we want sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Until this show pays my mortgage, I'm going to try to have fun with it as much as possible. Yeah, I think that like the big thing that... I always come back to with the show is that we're trying to do it because we like to do it and we're yeah. trying to do it so that it's fun for us because if it's fun for us, it's more fun to listen to. Yes. <laughs> it's just a better show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's like we, I've talked about it before. There's a zero brightness plus episode about it where we talk about how we select games and how we decide what to cover. And a big part of it for me is like, would this be an interesting discussion uh, mm. would this be something that will actually make a good episode? Sure. And like, I don't know. I do also, I want the show to be changing and to stay fresh and to stay different. Um, and also just cause like, if we don't, I mean, it can be a real slog like mm. playing mediocre games. Yeah. Back to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like playing the games all the way through, which is something that I honestly want to get away from. <laughs> like because there's some episodes that i think would have been better if we had just not like finished the games completely um i think when we started the show we didn't have an audience right so we were trying to sort of make an imagined audience and predict how they would think and feel and i think we put in a lot of like our stereotypes of like internet culture and like gamer mm. culture where it's like if you don't know everything a thousand percent and you aren't like super well researched and have played every part of the game like you you don't know what you're talking about right mm. that's like basically the critique you know well sometimes that's interesting if you're passionate about it like if you have a, if you love the resident evil the resident evil series you're gonna know all this minutia about it right but if it's some mediocre game that only 12 internet nerds likes let's just have a discussion about it let's let's play the game and talk about it i, I don't need to know who like did the sound effect well, yeah, totally. And I think that now that we've done this show for a while, it's I've been thinking about this a lot because we did The Last of Us 2, right? 
And mm. we got some negative feedback on that episode. <laughs> and it was interesting because it really kind of gave me a little bit of, you know, rough numerical data. And it's like, wow, the people who would get really pissed off for me having like a super dissenting opinion or like not wanting to talk about the nuts and bolts of the games and more just wanting to talk about the story and themes and stuff. It's like 2%. Mm. <laughs> it's like, sure. we have a good crew of people who just like the show and like rock with the show. So why am I going to torture myself for like this 2% of people, you know? Well, also it's like with that game, it's, it, that's going to happen when we're playing like a brand new triple a whatever game, you know, people had dissenting opinions about resident evil three also. So, yeah, well for sure. But I don't know. I just want to say that to me, the priority for the show is going to be for us to have fun with it and for us to have a good discussion, Mm. you know? So if that ends up being a discussion that encompasses politics and it encompasses philosophy and it encompasses like real dark shit. That's just the way it's going to be, you know? Yeah. If if you just want to hear about, you know, skill tree game mechanics, you can listen to something else that's kind of boring and dumb. Yeah. Well, and also it's like, I think that if you aren't paying attention to what's going on in the world right now yes, and trying to understand why someone like me and, you know, someone like everyone who contributes to the show would be more emotional and more like fired up right now. If you're not Mm -hmm. trying to understand that or have some empathy towards that, if you don't feel that way, then like I can't help you. I can't, I can't (laughs) talk to you really or tell you why that's wrong. I did try to kind of talk to a couple of people about this who jumped in our discord to say they didn't like the last of us two episode. And one dude didn't respond. And the other dude was a troll. And mm. it, it just like, it sucked to me. Cause I was like, I actually, if people do want to disagree with us and talk to us, we have a discord, we have email, we have Instagram DMS. Like you can talk to us and we talk to people. I like hearing dissenting opinions and talking to people. I like constructive criticism, but like, totally it has to be presented in a way that's respectful and it has to be constructive ultimately, mm. you know? And I think it also has to take into account that it's like, we are artists we make this show. So the decisions that we make are what we think is good and what we like. And so if you want to chip yeah. in and say like, Oh, I don't, I don't like this. It has to be done in a way that takes into account. That's like, we're telling you what we like. So now you need to tell me what you, <laughs> what you like, if you want me to consider it, you know, that's what's frustrating about this conversation. Like, Cause I kept being like, okay, what is your opinion on this? Or like, what do you want to see? And they couldn't tell me, they just wanted to like, say negative stuff to me. And that's when I was like, mm. well, I don't, I don't really have to consider this or take this seriously. It's just frustrating for me. Cause it's like with, all, with like the whole country kind of collectively confronting racism, that means that people who have experienced racism and have like stuff in their lives that they've, you know, that's affected their lives or it affects the way they behave because they've experienced racism. Like we're all thinking about that stuff a lot. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how my parents were always like, you need to be like the smartest and the most well-spoken so that you can like basically speak from a point of authority because everyone hates you. Right. And it's like, I hate that mentality. I fucking reject that mentality. I don't want to be anyone's teacher. I'm not a teacher. I don't want to teach you shit. I don't want to change your mind. I just want to like, you know, I just want to talk and have a discussion and 
what happens happens so yeah yeah everything sucks so if i'm a little more fired up try to figure it out <laughs> on your own fucking time there's this great thing called google mm-hmm. um i'm gonna ask you to google it <laughs> god damn it <laughs> nice i'm gonna respectfully say that yeah so anyway uh but if you do want to ask us why we're covering Hitman or tell us that we suck for talking about Hitman because it's not a horror game, that is also a fair criticism and we can have a discussion about that. But also, we're kind of going to do what we want to do sometimes. It's not a fair criticism because it's like the best game ever. <laughs> That's the most James shit you've ever said. Yeah, well, I mean, shit's real. But like really, you know, we covered Prey. Which is my, yeah. m- that's my hitman. Prey sure. is my hitman. And we talked about it. And uh, yeah, so now we got to talk about James's hitman, which is hitman. <laughs> it's fairness. Yeah. It's just fair. I, di- I didn't plan on this either. My my love for hitman was like uh, serendipitous. You know, it's, it's a romantic beginning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I bought it on a Steam sale for like $12 after it bombed and Squaresoft deemed it like an abject failure uh and I like accidentally loved it and put like 400 hours into it so you know I do I will say though kind of as a preamble uh first of all I have not played 400 hours of this game uh (laughs) I have played about 16 hours of it uh and I suck at it so really but like in a fun way Sure. Yeah. So I have a really different perspective than you. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> like you were asking me, like, did you do this challenge and this challenge? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I tried for like a minute, and I was like, man, I suck. <laughs> like, I just like failed right away. I, I think some of those reasons are probably like why this game bombed. But it, I, I want to get into that. Well, yeah. like, okay, so. But I also love it. So I am gonna, and I've talked about it in past episodes and in Discord that I love this game. The thing that I was gonna say before we get too deep into it was that I feel like this game is relevant to our audience, and it is relevant to people who like horror games because this game is not what it seems to be if you haven't played any of these games. And I had not played, Mm -hmm. I had not played more than like two minutes of a hitman game before i played this game like i i know what they are and i think like i tried the like ps2 one for like Mm -hmm. two minutes and i was like i don't like this and i just didn't play there were like three ps2 games well so there you go my ignorance is shining uh but like i i feel like what these games actually are is something that's much closer to something like prey where it's more like an immersive sim it's very much like a puzzle game it's all about Mm. stealth and solving like very complex puzzles and i really think it has a lot of the elements that we talk about and praise in horror games yeah well it's it's a single player experience um there's a lot of story there for you to dig into if you want to and um it's deeply systems heavy there's so much going on under the hood in this game um and as a casual player you might not even realize it but just the the level of complexity to each stage and all the ai routines and um just the amazing level of detail is kind of like incredible how to describe hitman that's like really difficult um because like 
A lot of people will think it's an action game, but it's not. But you can play it like an action game, and it feels pretty good. Um, and, you know, people, of course, you know, think it's a stealth game too. And it, it is a stealth game, but it's not like... It's not always hiding behind boxes and behind couches. Uh, a lot of it is like social stealth, where you try to like blend in to crowds and not be seen by people, which is, I don't know, pretty rare in video games. Yeah, um, I had said that when I first played it, I was like, oh my god, this is like the dinner party level in Mission Impossible for the Nintendo 64, which is like <laughs> the only time I'd really seen that, where it's like, you had a dinner party, you start out as like a waiter, and you're trying to do all these complex like spy tasks you know like mm-hmm. you're trying to deliver this item here and then copy this guy's face and then change your disguise and do all this stuff and it was really fun because of how complex it was and because it wasn't action based you cannot kill anyone in that level right, right. Uh, and the rest of the game is sort of like a more like Metal Gear Solid or, or like Winback the, mm-hmm. the other Konami stealth game that was more action heavy um, but that level was really awesome and when I played this game I was like oh this is like that except it's it's a sandbox so it's open ended so you can do all that stuff but there isn't anything that you like have to do right well you have to kill your targets yeah. and you have to escape but besides that you can do it any way you want right um, my big take on it is that Hitman is a puzzle game um, but the puzzle is this like giant clockwork sandbox with these complex AI routines uh, and you can interact and like modify and interrupt these AI routines to exploit them to get the NPCs to do what you want or to uh, to blend in like I said and like get towards the targets yeah um, and that's that's like I don't know how to like TLDR what Hitman is <laughs> and I think that's a big problem and it's kind of the reason why uh, I feel like it bombs well there's also the way it was released was confusing yeah so there we're talking about in this episode basically season one of Hitman yes uh, which was so Hitman this game is like a reboot of the series. So it's just called Hitman, yes. but it's not the only game that's just called Hitman. There's like a Hitman from whatever, late 90s, right? Early mm-hmm. 2000s. That was a PC game. Like 96 or 97. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like this is Hitman from 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. It was originally released episodically. Yeah. So I think Paris came out in like February. But the last level, Hokkaido, didn't come out until like August or September. Right. Um, and you could buy one episode for $10 and just get them as they come out. But by the time December came around, Squaresoft wrote it off as a failure. And this game went on mega discount everywhere. And that's when I bought it for like $12 sure. on like Green Man Gaming or something like that. Yeah. And that's like, I swear to God, that's like the best $12 I've ever spent because <laughs> I've gotten like so much playtime out of Hitman. Right. Um, but it's- another, another reason why it failed though, like besides this episodic model, is that they went to this games as a service model, which is 
hot bullshit. Like, I hate this idea. Right. But it, it does have, like, cool ideas within it. So what the, what they wanted to do is, like, have a platform, right? It's like a, a EXE platform. And Hitman Season 1, 2, and 3, the, which they were originally going to be called, would come out, and you just add new levels to this platform. Right. Uh, and it was called, like, The World of Assassination. And they'd always do, like, live events, blah, blah, blah. And uh, But the game bombed. And then uh, Squaresoft didn't want to make any more Hitman games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the games as a service model thing was like a huge risk, and I feel like they fucked it up. It's always online for a single player game, which is hot bullshit. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like never touched it because of all this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, uh, and then the whole Square Enix breakup with IO Interactive. Uh, IO Interactive actually like bought themselves bought themselves out from Square Enix. Sure. Um, like after this game's development cycle, and so like they didn't have any money left, so they released some DLCs for the game just to drum up extra money from their audience. Sure. And uh, that's how Hitman Two came around, but we'll talk about that on the Hitman Two episode. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because this stuff is has continually dogged the game like yeah, that totally. whole dramatic saga is over but the effect it's had on the game isn't over because even mm-hmm. like okay so now if you get hitman 2 if you go on whatever platform and you buy hitman 2 you get all of the levels right if you buy hitman 2 you can add a i think it's called like the legacy pattern pack or something and you get all the levels from hitman 1 right so you sent me a code for that. Yeah. And then I, but it, it like I had a code for Hitman 1 and Hitman 2 and I didn't yeah. get it. So then I downloaded them both and installed them both, which is almost like a hundred gigs. Of oh, like, it's more than that. Yeah. It was like, yeah, like an install of this giant game. And then I was like, wait, can you explain this to me? You did. So then I uninstalled Hitman 1 just ran yeah. Hitman 2. Then when you open it up, you're greeted by this menu that is just like a fucking eyesore. I mean, people make fun of the Smash Bros menus, but like <laughs> I would argue that this is besides the basic weird shape mm-hmm. design stuff from the Smash Bros menu, this is just as bad if not worse. It's totally crazy overwhelming. And so mm-hmm. just a little hot tip for anyone like just getting in this game. Like install the game, just go to the campaign. That's the only yeah. option you need. Go to the campaign. And in my version, because I got that Legacy Edition, I have, you know, Hitman 1, Hitman 2, some extra campaigns and, like, all the cinematics and stuff. And that's, like, what you need to play. And yeah. it's interesting because, like, there are some some things they change from the original release and some things are still left over. So, like, mm-hmm. you can drop in and play any level. It doesn't matter, you know? Like you can jump around, you can skip around. Even if you haven't beat a level, you can go to the next level if you want. But you were saying originally it made you replay like the tutorial in the first level a bunch of times just to be like, look how replayable it is. (laughs) Yeah. The first time I, so that's another thing with the game. Well, two things with the games as a service model, you were just talking about how like horrible that main menu is. And that's what it is. It it has to like broadcast all this new live content. It's always doing, which is just annoying. Uh, but yeah, two was that, um, 
they were constantly updating the game. Uh, like every two weeks, a patch would come out and change things. So right when I got Hitman 2, it made me play the tutorials. It, it made me play the two, two tutorial stages, but then it made me play the second tutorial stage twice. Right. Because it wanted me to do like more mission stories and make me try to understand that the game is replayable. Which is kind of like super heavy-handed to get somebody to replay the game. Well, exactly. And I actually think this game is really fun. And if mm-hmm. you just introduce the basic ideas of the game and show the player how the game works, they'll naturally replay the stages multiple times. Um, yeah. But yeah, totally. like I, I didn't have to play... I didn't have to play either of the tutorials if I didn't want to. And I only mm-hmm. I only played them once and then I just like went on to the main game, but Sure. The second tutorial is pretty in depth. Like Yeah. It's you know, considering you've just started the game, if you're someone like me, you haven't played any of the Hitman games, you're not familiar. It's pretty in depth, but it's not super hard. Like it's totally beatable. And so when I got to the end of it, I was like, that was cool, but I don't really want to replay that. Like, I just want to get on to the next stage. Yeah. So if the game, and I was ready for it to just make me turn around and do it again, yeah. I was like, man, that is a bad choice. You know? Well, the tutorial game, uh, the tutorial stages are also kind of like, you play them on like, they're like built out stages in a warehouse. Yeah. So they're like really ugly and it looks like a movie set essentially, which is kind of corny, but but then it takes so long to actually get to the first stage, which is just like beautiful, and every stage in this game is fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I think it, yeah, another reason why it failed is bad first impression. I think another thing, too, is that this game is so fixated on like more content, more content, more content mm. that it's, you know, it's giving you all these options and telling you about challenges and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's fine. But let me tell you why I liked this game and what I liked doing with this game was basically being horrible at it. Like, <laughs> I was internally referring to my player character as Agent 411, the world's shittiest super spy. I imagined <laughs> that he talked and acted exactly like Rowan Atkinson in Johnny English, the shitty spy movie that everyone hates that I love. Uh, and like, I just like, it was so fun to just go around and bumble and fail upwards Mm -hmm. and just like suck so bad, but still complete all the stages, like barely by the skin of my teeth and using safe scumming and stuff. It was like, (laughs) I don't want to be good at this game because it's actually so Mm. much more fun to just be like a dumb asshole in this game. And I still went back and replayed a lot of the stages, you know? Yeah. It's so fun to play this game perfectly. Like, if I get noticed, I'll restart the stage. Because it'll only take me two minutes to get back to where I was. Like, th- this game brings that out of me. Yeah, like I was the opposite. I just, I like, it. wanted to be worse and worse at it. Like, yeah. when I was doing the the Patient Zero, like, DLC, which are, I think, significantly harder than, like, the main game, it mm. was just really funny because, like, I was just being even dumber. And it was like, <laughs> anytime I saw someone, I just, like, instantly shot him. And I was like, man, I suck. But, well, I'm putting on their clothes and running away. This is fine. Mm. Okay, so the last reason why, that I wanted to bring up that why, why I think this game uh, did poorly uh, is that the Hitman series... Well, when you think of Hitman, you think of, like, the shitty Hitman movies. And those movies are absolutely awful. 
I didn't even know they made movies until you wow. you repeatedly brought it up. Like I Googled it and I was like, I have no idea what this is. I've never even heard of these movies. They're like Walmart bargain bin classics. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's what you think of when you think of the Hitman series. You don't think of this like, like gorgeous like game made made in you know Western Europe with Helvetica font, looking all stylish and shit. You know. Sure. Yeah, and you don't think it's a puzzle game, like a deep systems puzzle game. You know, you think it's a dumb action movie where the guy, like, dual wields pistols and shit, you know? And that's not what this game is. Well, totally, and it was funny that, I mean, in the middle of playing the two Last of Us games, and after finishing Last of Us 2, I would, like, go back and play this game, and those games are action-heavy, especially the second one, and it was so funny to play this game, and be like, oh, this is not an action game at all. I mean, no. I was at the last stage in the game, the Hokkaido stage, and like, I didn't pull my gun or do anything with my gun ever at all. Yeah. Like in the whole yeah. stage, you you can't really. I mean, the way I was playing. And sure. So, and so it was like, oh yeah, these are not action games at all. They're puzzle games. And. Uh, the the way the stages are designed are like just it's just so tight. Everything is just perfect about this game. God damn it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. just do we want to say anything about the look of this game? Like I said, it's like real sleek, like kind of like a modern spy movie, like James Bond vibes. It kind of has James Bond like music cues and stuff like that. But it all feels like very modern and like almost like a fashion magazine or some shit like i want to say like low body fat percentage that's how hitman feels (laughs) yeah i mean it's it is very modern and sleek those are great words for it Mm. it um it's very polished it looks good yeah everything has a nice font everything is like aesthetically pleasing but in a real sleek minimalist way uh, yeah. The stages are all huge, and even the ones that are really stuffed with shit, like Sapienza and Marrakesh, like they're still very, very sleek. You know, yeah. it's like everything has a nice look. There's also like one thing I really appreciate about this game, especially after playing all these AAA games lately, where they really can get to like visual diarrhea levels of just like there's so much shit on screen and so much going on that your eyes just start like unfocusing and you can't mm. see what's going on. This game almost has like a a real slight like cell shaded kind of quality to it, where like, mm. and you can use the your you know Witcher vision to see where <laughs> your where things are and what you can interact with and stuff. But like, it's it's very focused on letting you know like where people are in the stage, what you can interact with, and all that kind of stuff. And I think it does like a better job than any other modern game I've played, considering that it's the stages are really filled with people and stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so just in terms of gameplay, like this game drops you into a like a giant massive location and the voice in your ear tells you about the people you need to kill and basically you have to figure out the rest. Generally, you'll just start out looking like a uh like a civilian and you have to figure out how to get into restricted areas and kind of wiggle your way in deeper until you can get to your targets. Now with the Hitman vision, you can see your targets at all times. Like like they'll look like a dot like way far away, but you can still see through everything and see your target. 
You just have to figure out how to get to them, kill them, and escape without getting seen. Right. That Which is the ultimate goal. Like, the ultimate goal, the highest rating in this game is Silent Assassin. So that's you know what you're scored against essentially. Right. And th- there's 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 a scoring system that gets actually a little deep. So I will touch on that like a little later. Yeah, and like the main mechanics you have are that um, you have you know a set of gadgets you can use. So you have like a gun, and you can find you know tools and lock picks and stuff to open doors. Mm-hmm. Um, you can basically walk up behind anyone and put them to sleep with like a sleeper hold and put their clothes on, which is like the main mechanic that I used in the game. You Uh, can't, you can't take everyone's clothes. You can take certain people's clothes, Yeah, but it's, it's a startling amount of like costumes or disguises that you can put on. Right. And each stage is set is like kind of, separated into different sections and a lot of those places you can't walk into unless you're wearing the right disguise Mm -hmm. like you have to be kitchen staff to size to get in the kitchen right or to get into a a highly armed area you might have to be a bodyguard or a -a rent-a-cop right and if you walk in without that you'll just get kicked out and they'll if you stay too long or refuse to leave they'll try and kill you Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are people in each of those areas who will recognize that you're not supposed to be there even in a disguise yeah enforcers yeah yeah so you're also trying to avoid them and not get spotted Mm -hmm. and like you know there's hiding places in the games where you can hide or you can hide bodies um yeah and then there's all sorts of like tools and gadgets that you can also use and like opportunities to use those tools and gadgets as well Mm-hmm. So like I don't know, it's cool because you can cho- you really can choose the way that you play each challenge. Yeah, well, and that gives the game like extremely high replayability because you can go in there as a commando and just blow everyone away and just run up to the target and kill them while they're cowering, or you can be like, uh like freaking Tom Cruise and mission impossible and like climb up the side of the building and go into a window and get them in their office. Mm-hmm. Or you could dress up like the it guy and then mess up the network and then have the it guy called up to the boss's office and then you kill them then. Yeah. Um, there, there are scripted ways to get to the target and then there are more like organic ways to get to the target that aren't so scripted. And uh, j- just the the number of ways you can solve the puzzle is just like is make this game like replayable like smoking crack. It, it's insane, right? Well, and the thing that I really like about this game is that it's really dynamic and reactive. So, okay, what I mean to say is that like in each stage, there are things called mission stories. So you don't have to interact with these or use it all, but if you do, you basically get a little mission for how to complete the challenge and you get objectives and you can step through. So you can choose to play this game in a more linear or more nonlinear way. But what really impressed me was that I found myself never following exactly one path. Sure. Like, yeah, I might walk in and case the area and be like, okay, this seems like the way that I should do this. And then I'll get a mission story. And I'll be like, oh, well, maybe I'll do this. Then I'll follow the mission story for a few minutes, but then I'll get to a place where there's a clear opportunity to just kill the target. And I'll just kill the target and abandon the mission story. 
and like you can do all of that and then the next time you play the same level you might try to follow a different mission story or go back and try and follow that one to the end or just not follow anything yeah i want to talk a little bit more about mission stories when we get to the actual narrative part of my giant bible on gonna have to skip around here man i'm not talking about this (laughs) game for four hours but um mission stories are a great way to ease new players into learning the game's mechanics because it'll put you in a it'll it's like um setting you up to win like it'll put you in a situation where you have to like use an explosive to kill a bad guy or you have to you know electrocute them without being seen or something like that so yeah but like the thing that i love okay so once again to bring it back to my agent 4011 johnny english sort of play Mm -hmm. style was that I really liked starting a mission story and then just getting to a point where I could just like kill the dude in a really like abrupt and hilarious way and then like <laughs> run away. And so that's why I actually really liked any stage that was big and had a lot of area, like different areas for you to run around. Cause I was just mm-hmm. like basically kill a dude and then the Benny Hill music would start playing and I would like run away and then like change my outfit. Yeah. Um, I also really like to just leave outfits everywhere, like droppings, so I could just mm-hmm. run back to a different outfit and change. <laughs> and it just like never stopped being hilarious. Like, I think one of the funniest ones was that like in the Colorado stage, uh, there's like a target who you can kill with a mission story where you do this whole like complex like training scenario mission and like i started it and i was like oh there's got to be a simpler way and they just happen to walk right in front of this like machine that you can press that just like throws a car on them and i was like oh great (laughs) and so i did that and i was like halfway through the mission story and i was like you abandoned the mission story and i was like yeah but i killed the guy I think that was an opposite challenge, actually. So while you didn't do the mission story, you got the challenge. So Yeah, it's just like, there's, and even like when I did, I was playing the Patient Zero stuff last night, and like, uh, there's one where it's like this really complicated thing, and I was trying to figure out how to kill this dude, and then he just like walked right by me, and his security happened to be like just far enough away that I just like shot him and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, once again, ran back to one of my little bags that I had left around the floor like a rat and like yeah. jumped, changed my clothes, and then left. It was great. Hilarious. Yeah. And then I came back and basically did the exact same thing with the other target. Yeah. So I, I played the game kind of different than you like when generally when i like started a a mission i'll just like walk around the level for like 20 minutes just like appreciating it because the stages are just so massive like sapienza is like a small village on the beach side in italy and that includes like you know the town the giant villa the ruins behind the villa uh, all the little shops in town there's like an ice cream shop there's city hall and there's like lawyer offices and then like a hippie's apartment and did you go to the hippie's apartment yes yeah he's listening to reggae and smoking doinks yeah dude <laughs> so good <laughs> and there's like a like a flower shop and a you know so so many other things to explore that in 90 percent of playthroughs you'll never even go to these places so just like walking around seeing where different people are just in case you need their costumes um finding where items are because you'll always need like a wrench or a hammer or something at the same time you're overhearing conversations because a lot of times the conversations that the npcs will have will lead you to a solution to get close to your target yeah 
so and this game is like super smart at like dropping hints uh it's really cool uh sometimes it's like really obvious but other times it's kind of yeah you can kind of like follow the breadcrumb trail to get to a you know something which is really cool yeah i mean and there are also conversations that aren't important that are just really funny Mm -hmm. and you can just like drop in and listen to people just like talk about stupid shit yeah Uh, it's it's disgusting how much detail goes into every single stage yeah and there's just so much dialogue uh there's so much to see i mean i was still finding stuff in sapienza like after 200 hours of playing this game well, yeah, and I think that, you know, we've talked about before how I'm not a huge fan of open world games, and I just like kind of like a nice dose of an open-ended game, and I think this game is kind of like perfect in that way. Sorry to add more fuel to your Hitman is perfect fire, but like it kind of is, like in a design sense, and like that they give you these stages that are just huge and really detailed and full of stuff, and you can choose how much you want to explore, and you can choose you know how much time you spend just kind of like hanging out you know there's a uh, no clip documentary about it man and there's a great section where they're talking about stage design uh everybody should take notes on that because it's it's great you know they talk about how like the areas like the enemies are put into restricted areas you can think of them as like fortresses and they they make the stages like um walking through an ikea where it's like there are like real obvious paths but then there are like less obvious paths to get like to other places and things like that and it's kind of like that swiss cheese idea of like having like several ways to get in and out of everywhere with different levels of difficulty yeah um it's just when they when they kind of like shrink that idea down into something small like that. It makes it like brilliant when you're like walking through Sapienza and then you're like, Oh shit. Okay. I can get into this house six different ways. Yeah. Well, and I think what's also cool is that some of the exploration is also unlocked as you play it more and complete more challenges. Cause like, so one thing is before you start a level, you get a little planning screen Mm -hmm. where, so you get to choose some different options about the stage and and like change some variables uh one of them is that you can choose where you start yeah Uh, initially every stage you start at one starting point and then as you play more and unlock more you get more so i i actually hadn't been to the apartments until i unlocked the apartments as a starting place and then yeah and then i just had this whole like apartment building to explore and i was like oh this is really cool and like so some the game is really it meets out that detail and that exploration really well. So like the more you play, the more you understand and the more you get to see. Yeah, forty seven and his neighbor Rocco, who needs to get to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this game is like a Groundhog Day. So when you start the stage, you're gonna hear the same. When you get to a certain point, you're gonna hear the same conversations each time. Yeah. So each time you replay a stage, you know what's going to happen. And, you know, the, the NPCs are on these AI routines to where, like, the guy will always be here at 5 minutes, 50 seconds. And then so you learn to, like, exploit that stuff and time your runs. And the way I play is, you know, th- each stage has a list of, like, I don't know, 40, 50, 100 challenges. I have no idea. But, you know, I'll be like, okay, I'll kill this guy by checking off this one challenge. And I'll kill the other t- guy with this challenge. 
and I'll try to escape by unchecking this challenge too. So you like plan out your runs and do it and unlock a bunch of challenges and you get like a super high score. And I love that shit. Fuck it. So good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one thing that needs to be said about this game in the general sense is that it is what a lot of games claim to be, which is like this open sandbox where you get to just creep around and, you know, kind of poke your head into little experiences and have little mm-hmm. moments. And so like the game has a story and it has little stories, but ultimately it's just such a fun experience because you get to make your own story and make your own experience with the game. Yeah. Well, you always hear that phrase a mile wide and an inch deep when it comes to, you know, uh, open world games. And this is super, not that. Yeah. Well, and even like I've played a few different games now, the most recent being dishonored Two that were kind of pitched that way, either in reviews or listening to people talk about them. And I, I didn't end up liking any of those games because I felt like there wasn't actually depth there. You're always pushed back towards doing the same thing. And also killing. a lot. Yeah. You're always pushed back to killing. And also like with something like dishonored Two, it was like so graphic and over the top. That it was really off putting. I think it's funny how this game, like, there's so little violence and there's no graphic violence. It can get pretty graphic. I, I definitely put Silvio Caruso into a wood chipper at least 10 times. <laughs> okay. Well, that's you. <laughs> I'm just saying like, if you want to play this game where like you don't kill civilians and you don't do anything super graphically mm-hmm. violent or whatever, like you can play it that way. And it's just wild that I think this game is way less. A game called fucking Hitman is like way less violent than like <laughs> all of these just like standard issue, like, fucking PC games, PlayStation games, like just modern AAA games that come out, you know? Here's the thing. It's it's this deep system first before anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's gameplay first. Yeah. And then it's story. And then it's all this bullshit, you know? But it's also, it's also very accessible. I think that's one reason why, like, I'm glad that I'm on this episode is that like, I feel like just listening to you talk about Hitman, I was like, Oh my God, like really? Like you have to get like that good at the game. And it's like, no, it's more like if metal gear solid two is actually fun to play, mm. uh, would be, so, well, you know, so the problem with that, that comparison, cause in metal gear solid two, it's, it's all just about breaking line of sight and hiding behind boxes and shit on the stealth parts yeah and that's really not what hitman is like it's got that huge dose of the social stealth which makes it so fun like you don't want to blow your cover and if you do awkward shit you're gonna blow your cover or you know if if you're if you're the if you're like a janitor and you're carrying around a butcher knife like you're gonna like blow your cover you know well totally and i think having it be timing based is really good where it's like, you know, if an enforcer looks at you, they're not immediately like, hey, get that guy. But you have to yeah. run out of their line of sight. Or like yeah. if you walk into the wrong room, you can turn back around. It's like an, a great oh shit moment. And a bunch of dudes will yell like, who the fuck are you? And then you can just like walk back around and be like, oh, sorry. You know, you can do the Midwest. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, sorry. Oop. But the reason, well, the reason I think about Metal Gear Solid 2 is that when that game came out, the way it was pitched was you can play how you want to play. It's not like mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid where you have to break line of sight and you have to be super stealthy. You can fight everybody. You can stealth. You can use distractions. Like It was pitched that way, but ultimately the game was designed in a way that I don't think really pushed you in any direction besides just killing everybody. 
And it was just mm-hmm. always easiest to, for me when I was playing it on normal difficulty, it was just always easiest to like just fight. And it made the game really easy and it made the game really unengaging because if I wanted to just play a game where I shot everybody, well, I wouldn't, but I could play a bunch of other <laughs> games where the shooting is better. You know, it's like yeah. the stealth in this game and the choice aspect and all this stuff is like so fucking good. And I'm not trying to just rag on Metal Gear Solid 2, even though I love to do it. And also it's not fair to compare games that are like, you know, 15 years apart in their release dates. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that video games have been promising a game like this forever. Now we have it. And for some reason it flopped. <laughs> Well, the stealth as a genre is kind of dead in the way that like immersive sims are dead. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's it's sad, but you know when the PS3, Xbox 360 generation or whatever came around, it was like single player is out, no one gives a shit. So yeah, or once again, it was like I think the mono genre thing has like really flattened mm. game design. Like it's really made it so that everything is kind of the same. I feel like anybody that enjoyed a game like Uncharted or something would be able to pretty much just jump into this, you know? I mean, The Last of Us had some stealth stuff, and like some, I feel like if you like The Last of Us, you should definitely play something like this, you know? It's that accessible. Yeah, it actually is, and I, I was surprised when I picked it up, like, just how easy it was to pick up and play, and the things you have to learn are more like, the yeah, the deeper system stuff... And like I said, if you don't want to learn it, you don't have to. Like, I love this game, and I'm super bad at it. And there's no skill tree or anything like that. You, you really just unlock items. Like, oh, a fancier gun. A gun that's, like, really silenced. Or yeah. you unlock different locations. Or you unlock different uh, suits or costumes. Yeah. Um, but you basically go into the stage, you know, only with your gun and a couple items maybe a lock pick you know something like that yeah well yeah and it's man this game did kind of like break my brain a little bit like well actually a lot of stuff did i think like the world being on fire kind of made me just like super not want to play really hard unforgiving games right now but also plays mm-hmm. like a bunch of hitman really recalibrated my brain where i was just like why like why would you play a game that isn't like this, you know? It's so far from mediocrity, even though it feels like a mono-genre game. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's also so far from just being, like, get good. It's not a get good mm, game. Yeah. It's a, like, find the way you want to play and figure out how to do it. It's a puzzle game, but it's yeah. dressed up like a mono-genre action game. And it's, it's funny, because, like, all those games now have the big Dark Souls influence, right? Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where I don't really find a lot of them playable anymore. Like it was a big reason why I didn't like the game that shall not be named. Um, and I just played a bunch of control and I think I played about half of control and I think I'm done with control for that same reason. Cause it's like, why am I being suddenly punished for making like level up decisions and doing things like this? Because I didn't foresee that this game was just going to go full dark souls halfway through. Like, oh. and I was, I'm, I just immediately lost interest and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and I went back to playing Hitman. And it's like, yeah, like I wish this boss that I'm stuck on in control that I'm probably going to be stuck on forever and not play any more of. Like, I wish it just let me take a different approach or try a different strategy. It, mm. it doesn't really, even though it has the mono genre hallmarks of like 
you can choose how to upgrade your character and you can make all these decisions of ball and it's like but can i really actually i can't really you know it's like the same as dark souls where it's like you know you can technically choose your build and do all this shit but it's like "Eh, but really can i and if i don't have a guide open the whole time will i actually be able to play as this class past halfway through the game (laughs) the answer is no like that's just and i i just find that mega uninteresting like i just want to chill i just want to have fun playing a game hitman is like one of the most fun games i've ever played in my life yeah it's insane yeah okay well the story i can't tell you much about the story um it's not that it's not interesting is that there's just like a lot of moving parts and it doesn't make it super obvious and um there are cutscenes, but even then, like, you're not getting, like, a ton of, like, big picture stuff. Sure. Um, they made it a lot more obvious in Hitman 2, and they made it more comic booky, which I don't think is great. This game really positions itself as it, it really wants to be, like, a, like, a classy spy movie that doesn't tell you everything. Like, it's not that dumb. Um, the cutscenes are, like, incredible looking. Like, they had that Squaresoft money, so they, like, contracted yeah. out some Eastern European company to make these, like, gorgeous cutscenes. Like, it's pretty yeah. insane. Yeah, for sure. And then you start Hitman 2, and it's, like, comic book stills. And you're like, yeah. oh, uh, yes. <laughs> they lost that Squaresoft money. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying that, and then me thinking, I wonder how obvious it is. And then, like, two seconds into the first cutscene, I was like, it is very obvious. It hurts. It hurts. Like well, I wanted to start a Kickstarter to help them get cutscenes. <laughs> Just for the cutscene budget. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that's funny is that, I mean, I loved spy movies when I was a kid, and I loved, like, spy spoofs and all that stuff when I was a kid, and then kind of totally lost interest as an adult. But one thing recently I have watched that really made me think of Hitman, because it combines being, like, really aesthetically gorgeous and having a serious story with also being really funny and slapsticky and just like laugh out loud hilarious Mm -hmm. uh and i i found a lot of parallels between the two and i just want to tell anyone listening that if you like this it's worth checking out this game uh killing eve i don't even know what that is so So killing eve is basically the best tv show ever (laughs) uh it's actually similar to hitman i think for some people like myself where i just didn't know what it was and monica was like you should watch this show and then i was like what is it she's like "Eh, it's like about an assassin but she couldn't really tell me anything else and i watched like the first episode and i was like this is insane like this is so fucking good but it's just that combination of being like serious and really really funny and Mm. also like so in in uh, Killing Eve, the assassin in that show, she's sort of like so good that she's bored and so she doesn't care anymore and she kind of purposefully does a bad job but still <laughs> is like the greatest assassin ever. Uh, and so play, it was kind of like, I feel like it had an effect on the way I play this game where it's like, I'm just going to be like that and just like bumble around but still like win, you know? Yeah. And it's like so good and you can totally play this game like that. And it has some of that same like classic 60s spy movie vibe, which is a big thing in Killing Eve. Um, Yeah. Well, this game does have a lot of like intentional and unintentional comedy. And I feel like they leaned more into that with Hitman 2 because that one got like just straight goofy at certain points. Yeah. I think they were trying to get those meme points on the internet or something. But uh, I will say, though, that 
I like the comedy. I like it being yeah. funny. Cause once again, it's like when you play something like the game that shall not be named or spoken about anymore, you just mm-hmm. get so overwhelmed with the like, it's grim, it's dark, kill, kill, kill. But it's like, it's so nice <laughs> for a game to just not give a shit and be like, yeah, yeah it's kind of funny, you know? Well, there, there has to be some humor there with like a bald white guy, <laughs> deep cover, walking around like the market in morocco like of course the locals are gonna think you're some white guy in a disguise (laughs) also can we talk about the voice acting where it's like i don't hate it i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it's bad but it's really funny where wherever you go in the world everyone sounds like they're from toronto (laughs) (laughs) they 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 actually took that criticism and they made they did a little better in hitman too yeah i don't know india people sound like they're from india Okay. I did think it was kind of hilarious. It is. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, also it's like if you are someone like me and you grew up watching spy movies, like you grew up watching James Bond and mm-hmm. a lot of those movies, they're they're, you know, cheeky, I guess is a good word for it. They're kind of always winking, but there's also a lot of stuff that's not supposed to be funny that is just absolutely hilarious Mm -hmm. and so i feel like any modern spy thing should have an element of humor just because it's like you know people people you know over a certain age their frame of reference is like watching james bond movies when they were a kid or even like god help you watching austin powers or whatever where it's like you know it's you should know that people associate this at least a little bit with like comedy you know yeah yeah so okay Overall story, uh, Illuminati bad, kill Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a super spy. You're bald head, like 0% body fat, like looks like a supermodel. They make fun of him be- looking like a supermodel in the first stage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you kill Illuminati. Um, and that's really all you need to know. But I'm not going to rag on the story here because the storytelling within the game is so cool i mean we've already talked about like overhearing conversations to get intel and things like that but it's so baked into the game experience that like there are like stories within the stages themselves and there's tons of them but just for example in the paris stage um one of the targets interns is the mole that's leaking all this info and so you find out that she's like actually like dating her the target's bodyguard and the target's bodyguard and her are supposed to like escape on this boat at this certain time. But you would never know like any of this unless you were just like hanging around in certain rooms at the right time where these two people's AI routines intersect and they have this conversation. And you know the, the NPCs will eventually like make their way down to the dock where the boat is. It's it, it's and that's not like the only story in that stage like there's just so much going on that every npc in this game has a unique name yeah um there are crowds which are kind of like npcs but don't like have npc qualities like they won't run and like tell somebody that you're you're brandishing a gun or something like there there's a lower tier like crowd NPC and then they're regular NPCs and regular NPCs all have unique names. Huh. And then and then there are uh the higher tier uh enforcers which are the ones that can actually fight you. Yeah. Well, and 
that kind of storytelling and system stuff is awesome but mm-hmm. it also because it's such a like procedural game and it's such a like systems based game that you also get your own weird little stories based on the way you play you know and it's yeah. kind of like what i said way back a thousand years ago in the alien isolation episode mm-hmm. where like that game's on paper story could be boiled down to one sentence right but like the story the real content the stuff you remember is like the crazy near misses with or near hits you know with yeah the the xenomorph and like all the little things that happen to you as you're playing so like Mm -hmm. that's the same with this game and you know systems-based games have always been this way but this one's just so good that it's like every time you play you get something funny like that Um, yeah and also this game has a save anywhere so you can always yeah. just like save, try something really stupid. And if it doesn't work, like reload your save, you know, I highly encourage that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's even great. Cause sometimes you pull off the totally boneheaded thing that yeah. you, you think of like, okay, one of my favorites, like I said, I just have, I have tons of these. Cause it's the only way I play. I play like an idiot, but like my favorite one was the first time I played Sapienza. Like Sapienza is huge and it's kind of, cut into different sections but i kind of got mm-hmm. to like the the third section of it which is like this inside this mansion you know yeah and Villa caruso yeah and like i had killed one of the targets and i had the other target who's like the dude and i was like man i can't figure this out like i was getting the start of a bunch of stories or like i was getting a bunch of clues but i couldn't put anything together so i was like finding these videotapes and finding all this weird shit and like running around all over the mansion trying not to get caught and I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck to do. And I ended up just on a balcony and he was right below me. And I was like, I wonder what happens if I just shoot him in the head and then hide in this laundry basket. <laughs> and I did that and it fucking worked. And yeah, like, I may sat, have to hide in the laundry basket for 10 minutes, but it'll eventually work. I was going to say, I literally hid in the laundry basket for real life 10 minutes, ten, <laughs> uh, which was actually like gripping like i was not checking my phone i was watching like who was running past me through the slit you know the slat in of yeah. the fucking laundry basket and like it was awesome it was so funny and then i finally things calmed down enough i jumped out changed my clothes and left yeah it's so good yeah this game's filled with amazing stories i mean just uh the way explosives work you know uh you can you can launch people like way into the sky and you can, you can just play with the systems and have so much fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I like to do is, uh, if I know where the NPC is going to be, I'll just drop a propane tank okay. and then I'll snipe the propane tank because one, it makes them fly, but two, uh, propane explosions are counted as accident kills. Uh. Yeah. so you can still get like a silent assassin rating because it still looks like an accident yeah totally yeah well it's just crazy once again like i i don't think this game had to try so hard to like signpost and convince everyone that like it's replayable because it's just so replayable Mm. like the first time you play any of the stages you you don't have anything you have like maybe you have a silence pistol and maybe like some kind of hand weapon or something but the more you play and the more you unlock and the more you're able to do with the stages and plan beforehand, like mm-hmm. you can set up all this crazy shit and it gets to the point where you sort of look back on the first time you play a stage and you're like, Oh wow. I, I hadn't even 
begun to scratch the surface, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite things to do in the Paris stage is to leave remote explosives in the panic room. And then you set off the fire alarms and make both of the targets run to the panic room. And you just blow it up from, like, the nice garden in front of uh, the Paris stage, you know? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy the view while everyone panics. Yeah. Well, and also it's like, once you, another fun thing too, is like, once you've played a stage once or kind of got the basic gist of it, uh, you know, like I wasn't looking at guides. James was just like giving me hints and tips, but like (laughs) you can kind of, if there's a part of the level you don't like or an objective you don't love, there's like always a shortcut to finish it. Oh, absolutely. So you can kind of look up like, how do I beat this in like a minute? And so you can yes. go you can go ahead replaying the parts of the stage you like and just just shortcutting the parts that you don't like. Um, you know, so I it's Or just, you can just take a completely different approach, you know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's it's very flexible, but in in like many different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com/zerobrightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Uh, I did want to take some time to just talk about each stage because they're all just like absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, we can both agree that Sapienza is the best video game stage ever made, right? So. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd have to think, and I can't really think. So. <laughs> So the two lo- the two training locations aren't really very notable. But I'll no. pass them up. But um, the Paris stage uh, is just so sick because, like, one you like start in a tuxedo and you're going into this like super exclusive fashion show. So like immediately you just like feel like James Bond. You walk in and like this uh, scene where one of your targets like walks down a flight of stairs with a spotlight on them. So just like 30 seconds in, you're like face to face with your target in a crowd. You know, you could you could shoot that guy in the face 30 seconds into the stage and then run off and try to survive, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, the way it just like it, it, you know, like carrot on a sticks you with your target as you walk into the beginning of Paris is just awesome. But yeah, so like Paris is like in this like giant building, which I guess is like a museum by day, but they rented it out. Because there are some like rooms that are like uh, you can't get to, and they're just filled with like artifacts and artwork and stuff. So it, it, it's this giant kind of like three or four story like museum turned into a fashion show. So there's like a runway, and there's like a giant bar, and uh, and then like the gardens around it. It's like a it, it's a huge stage, and apparently it's larger than Sapienza. I don't know how huh. true that is. But well, the interesting thing about that is that it really does have this open floor plan as if mm-hmm. they had just makeshifted all this stuff for the fashion show inside a museum. Yeah, uh, totally. And so it's a cool stage. It's a cool first stage. almost feels like they should have just dropped you into it and just give you some prompts for training instead of making you do the training locations. Mm. But like, 
it's cool because it really opens you up to the possibility because you can kind of see everywhere you want to go. Unlike most stages where you're kind of blocked off and you need to figure out how to get in there. In Mm. this stage, you can always see where you're trying to go. And so you still have to find the right disguise or the right way in, but you can always see where you want to go, which is a really cool way to introduce the game. Um, The stage also highlights like how good the sound design in this game. Like, Oh yeah every room sounds distinctly different. And like when you go into the fashion show, it's just like super loud and boomy. But when you Mm -hmm. go to like just a party room, it's got a totally different sound. You can go outside. It's like, there's a ton of attention to detail in the sound. That's really good. Yeah. So one of the targets stays on the first floor and just walks around in the crowd all the time. And he'll go backstage and like check on the models and everything. But yeah, he stays in pretty public areas. And then the second target is on the third floor in a a legal auction and it's like heavily guarded up there. So the real challenge of that, of the Paris stage is getting to her and killing her and escaping because it's, it's so well guarded upstairs. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of have to like Swiss cheese your way around and try to figure out how to get up there. Um, I always end up using, so there's a, there's a big attic that's not really used for anything in the stage. Like it's it's a pretty well underused attic, and uh, it's it's a it's a good shortcut to get into her uh, bathroom though. So yeah. I always go in through there and like spike her drink or something. Yeah, and it's cool because like the more once again the more stages you play, the more opportunities you start to see mm-hmm. for how you can complete the objective. So even like like you have in the notes here that you can drop a chandelier on someone and kill them. But like, I didn't really think of that until the Marrakesh stage because there's like a really obvious hanging object that you can shoot and kill oh, a dude yeah. with. And yeah. so then after that, I was like, oh, fuck, I just like have to always look up. Like, yeah. it's just this game is so like well designed and the stages are so huge that there's just stuff you forget to do because like in most action games or like third person action games like you don't need to look up when do you have to fucking look up like yeah so that kill you have to you have to drop the whole lighting rig on the runway so first you have to trigger him to do his monologue speech on the runway and then you have to get up there and like shoot the rig or crowbar it or something to drop it on him and the crowd yeah so like all the solutions aren't always as clean like yeah you'll still be given like opportunities but there might be like collateral damage you might kill npcs and like fuck your score up so you have to kind of like be smart about it or just have fun and commit absolute mayhem which is tons of fun see i was right in the middle because i like to just have fun and be a dumbass but i also didn't want to kill any innocent people yeah (laughs) it's like that it's, it's like oh man you know we were talking about this in the discord like what's the role of role play in video games mm-hmm. and it's funny how i think video games a lot of times really hamstring uh like role playing because they give you too many things that are set in stone you're locked into too many roles right yeah and it's funny that in this game a game that doesn't have a super heavy like narrative or a super heavy traditional narrative like an rpg or something i actually role played more because like i said i sort of i was like i'm an idiot that doesn't kill innocent people boom just right mm-hmm. there. Like that's actually a lot of role play and a lot of parameters that you've now uh, like put upon this character and it changes the way you play. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's actually, this is a, a much more effective vehicle for role playing than most literal role playing games, you know? Totally. Yeah. Cause you could say, 
Like I'm old school James Bond in the books. I'm just a sociopath. Or like mm, you could say yeah. I'm I'm new school James Bond. I'm actually trying to be like debonair, but I never take off my suit. You know, yeah. it's like or yeah. you could do something like I use. I'm Johnny English. You know, I'm good hearted, <laughs> but I'm totally, an idiot. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's it's actually really cool, and I found that for me as someone who just wanted to like play the game and and have fun, like I I made my play style, and then I just tried to like keep going deeper into my play style and this game is actually very rewarding if that's how you like to play games and and certain outfits will do that like um for example in paris you can find the chic and if you take the chic's costume it's basically like a master key to everywhere in paris like yeah you can go anywhere and then you won't be conceived as a threat yeah. Uh, the same with the supermodel helmet Kruger. If you have his clothes, you can go anywhere. Um, the opposite is also true, though. Every once in a while, you'll find a uh, costume where everybody on the map will find you as hostile. Oh, like uh, in Sapienza, there's the plague doc- doctor costume from okay. inside the planetarium. Yeah, yeah, and then you know in Paris, there's the vampire magician. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shit like that. You know. Well, yeah, if you want to keep talking about stages, why don't we talk a little bit about Sapienza? Yeah, so, like, Sapienza has, like, like mad vacation vibes. Like, the weather is perfect, and 47's, like, dressed up like a Gucci model or some shit. Yeah. He's dressed up like a watch model or something. Yeah, you know I mean? totally. Like, all his clothes fit perfectly. He has a very nice tailor. Uh-huh. And uh, Sapienza's cool because, like, 47 has his own apartment. And you start the stage with a key, and you can go into your apartment, and that's where you can find your loadout. You can, like, grab your sniper rifle. Or he's, like, making an explosive golf ball in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you can, like, start in your apartment, and you have your annoying neighbor, Rocco, which is a great way to get into the apartment, because Rocco's first day as a chef in the uh, Villa Caruso is today. So you can steal Rocco's clothes and show up to the first day of the job and that's how you get in nice uh just great little storytelling like that yeah and there's like a big plaza where people are like uh eating ice cream and like drinking coffee and stuff and there's a doctor on the phone like he's a psychiatrist talking about how uh his it's the first time he meets his new patient and the patient is your target so you can just take his disguise and go and sneak in to uh villa caruso yeah. Um, it, 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 you explore the town and you discover all these opportunities. It's just really sick. Yeah. Like, it's disgustingly sick how cool Sapiens is. Yeah, it's a huge stage. There's a ton going on. And there's just a ton going on everywhere. And you can just kind of like like putz around and find more stuff going on. Yeah, there's a beach and a dock, and there's a church with a clock tower. And the bell tower is like a great sniper location. Um, but the church has a cemetery, and underneath the church are catacombs, which lead to a sewer, which go under a lot of the apartments and lead to Villa Caruso. You can get in that way. There's also ruins behind Villa Caruso that you can sneak into and get in that way. Um, it's insane. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, both of these stages have big underground portions that, like, you can explore. Uh, mm-hmm. In this this stage, it's a little more central to the mission than it is in Paris. But, like, 
it's super cool. Like you can just disguise yourself as staff and go underground and just check out all this shit that's going on. And yeah, the more you play, the more you realize that all these sections are connected in more than one way, which is yeah. also really cool. So like initially it feels very linear if you just follow the most obvious mission story and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually just like such a crazy level. Yeah. They're even like, um, like uh, boutique clothing shops, like built into the, like this big side retaining wall of Villa Caruso, and you can like sneak into the grounds, like through the back doors of those businesses and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, there's, you can you can get to uh, certain apartment balconies, like through other apartment buildings and things. It's just a total Swiss cheese, and uh, it's so fun to discover new things. Yeah, and well, I think once again, like a big part of the appeal of this game for me really just goes back to like the possibility that video games hinted at in the N64 era. Because like mm. the first time I played Sapienza, it reminded me of the first time you like explore the whole town in Majora's Mask. Because like yeah. you kind of start once you get to the town and you don't really have anything to do and you don't like know why you're there. So you just kind of run around and looking at all the shops and going in places. And it's it's much more detailed because it's smaller than like the, the main town in Ocarina of Time, you know. And like I remember running around that and be like, man, I, I want like more of this in a game, just this exploration of this place. And like yeah. if you ever felt that way as a kid or an adult or whatever, mm. like play sapienza and hitman because it's like that <laughs> times a million it's so cool did you find the uh two plumbers mario and luigi in sapienza <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> yeah there's a red and green plumber and the brothers right. yeah like yeah. dude that stage is just huge like i felt like i played it a bunch and i still just there's whole areas of it that i've only just kind of walked through you know yeah it's yeah it's crazy and, the, and underneath villa caruso is the uh, giant mad scientist lab yeah. Um, which is kind of a downfall because each time you play the stage, you have to destroy a virus, um, which kind of makes exfiltration um, really limited because really you have to go into that basement to kill the virus every time. Yeah. Like you're probably just going to take that one airplane exit. Yeah. Know? Totally. Even though there are a hundred different exits on that stage. Well, you know, I would always do it in the middle. Uh, oh, really? Of, of the two targets because well you told me there's basically like this one stalactite you can shoot yeah and uh have it drop onto the the broom that holds the virus mm -hmm. and it's just kind of funny because most of the times i do it it would end up like kind of triggering uh like a sweep of the area so all the guards are alert and they'd be sweeping and then it just became really funny because it was like once again benny hill shit where i'm like trying to sneak behind boxes <laughs> and like run away really fast while still crouched and like it's just very very amusing you know yeah it's just a great stage because like there's so many ways to get to them like uh silvio is like a real neurotic person and he like killed his mother so he has like a bunch of regret over that so you can be a psychiatrist or you can show up with like a bouquet of flowers to put on her grave and then Sylvia will come grieve at her grave and you can kill him while he's doing that. You can stage a fake haunting. Yeah, staging, and he like, he passes out. So fucking funny. 
Yeah, it was funny for me because I did almost the whole story. I just got to the end where he was like freaking out in his mother's bedroom. Yeah. And then like, I didn't totally know what to do next. So I just walked in and killed him. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I think there's supposed to be something else you do right at the end. But I was like, "Eh, whatever. And I just like went out the window. It was hilarious. It's so funny. The chef is trying to figure out his mother's spaghetti bolognese recipe. And the Uh chef has been like failing, trying to get the perfect one. What you can do is bring in uh, a can of expired spaghetti sauce it's like chef boyardee and then like pour it into the chef sauce while he's not looking uh-huh. and then silvio's like oh it's perfect it's just like my mom's and then he like vomits over a cliff and you can push him over the cliff yeah that's, that's <laughs> fucking great like uh it's just it's a lot of slapstick comedy it's a lot yeah. of weird weirdo bizarre humor and it's all really fun to play it's so complex and there's so much to do. It's yeah. a great stage. I get why you keep saying it's the greatest stage ever made. I get it. it. It really is. And I feel too, like if you're someone who's able to cop this game for really cheap or just try it out or whatever, like just go straight to that stage and just like see what mm-hmm. the hype is about. Cause I think it'll, yeah. it'll convince you that this game is fantastic. Yeah. If you've, if you have 10 minutes with this game, skip the training, go straight to Sapienza and walk around. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah. It's so weird that they, they, have two training stages and they originally made you play it twice because i've it's rare for me to find a game that like needs prompts and training as Mm. little as this game does like if you play other you know big third person action games you'll know all the controls you'll get the gist of it you'll figure it out as you're going along the visuals and the visual prompts in the game are really good you know Mm -hmm. like you'll figure it out fuck the training level dude (laughs) So moving on to Marrakesh, Morocco, which is one of my favorite stages. Yeah. Just because it's so highly populated and dense. Yeah. Like there's there's a a food market filled with people. Um like literally there's like 400 people in this market. Um there's like the Swedish embassy or consulate with a protest going on out front. Um, there's so many like alleys filled with vendors. There's like an electronics alley and a lamp alley and a spice alley. Um, it's just so packed and dense and, um, all the alleys feel kind of like winding and spirally. And then, uh, there are like second and third floors to all the buildings. So the rooftops become something too. Right. And there's the old bombed out abandoned school where the other target is. Um, which feels almost like a different stage, honestly. Yeah. Well, that's what I liked about this stage. Like I was saying earlier, because of the way I play, I like big stages with areas that are far from each other so that you can kind of go into one stage and be an idiot and then run away and then go to the other part of the stage and be an even bigger idiot. And like, you're going to love the Columbia stage and him and Oh, nice. Yeah. Like (laughs) I, I really like this one for that reason. And I had a lot of fun and yeah, it's also just once again, the impressive thing about this game is how a stage can can feel holistic, like it can feel like a place, but it has areas that have a really different vibe. I think this mm-hmm. stage is the best at executing that, where like, yeah, the school feels like total just like wartime, like you're in yeah. the shit. But then the market feels very like normal. And then there's like a, a, outside the embassy, there's a protest and the embassy is just like very like opulent and lush, you know? Yeah, it's very Helvetica, modern. Very Helvetica, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, it's so good. Yeah, I, I like the stage a lot. 
I loved having a uh, shootout in the lamp alley because all the lamps are destructible. Oh, yeah. So it's just like dudes firing back and forth and like lamps exploding so tight. Yeah, it's super cool. There, there are tons of little places to sneak and hide. Like there are like rug vendors and you could just hide behind a rug or things yeah. like that. Or like go into a restaurant and hide behind something. You know, there's a hookah bar, you know. One thing about this game is that it's really scalable, which is nice. So, like, you can kind of choose how taxing it is on your computer's hardware if you're playing it on mm. PC. So, it is very CPU heavy with all the NPCs. Yeah. But you can yeah. also scale that down and you can scale the simulation down. So, it's like it's less CPU heavy. Um, and you mm-hmm. can obviously adjust, like, so it gives you options to adjust the CPU and the GPU, which I thought was cool because, like, some of this stuff, like, I was like, oh man. I wonder if someone who like had like a shittier computer would have a really hard time running it, but it's also on consoles and shit. So as long as you don't kill all 400 people in Morocco, you, it won't crash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't have any crashes or anything. Yeah. So yeah, Morocco is super cool. Um, the embassy is kind of, kind of not my favorite spot. Um, but actually, like going through like the parking garage and getting to the upper levels of the embassy, while kind of like solid snaking around, like guards having conversations and stuff, is really cool. Yeah. Like, well, uh, I pretty much like memorized the AI routines in like my routes through a lot of it. So I just like wait for this guy. Okay, he's gonna turn to the right, and I'll sneak by. You know, that kind of stuff feels so great. Once once you get, like, the Groundhog Bill Murray moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you could just, sure. like, totally do, like, superhuman sneaking through a Swedish consulate to, <laughs> like, strangle the guy without being seen. So sure. rad. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the next stage was another one that I thought was, like, kind of a highlight just because it has so much going on. And it's such a, like, crazy yeah. different stage from anything else in the game, which mm-hmm. was Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Club Twenty Seven, baby. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Your like Target this... is like a douchebag uh, rock star. Yeah. On his twenty seventh birthday, so you got to die. Yeah, totally. And so it's like this huge resort. Uh, yeah. It's like it's like a hotel and a resort, and uh, when you go up to where your target is, they've like converted this huge kind of loft section of it into a studio, like a recording studio. Yeah. So this, his name is Jordan Cross, and he's in a band called The Class. And The Class rented out the entire like left wing of the uh, hotel. Yeah. So like all his like crew members and stuff are staying on the lower levels, and he has like the penthouse suite on the top level. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it like the higher you go on that in that wing of the hotel, like the more difficult it gets. But the cool thing is that 47 has a room rented out on the other wing. So you can get up to the third floor in that wing and even like snipe them if you want through windows and things like that. Yeah. Such a great, great stage. Yeah. Well, and it's cool because like, so all all these stages pretty much have two to three targets. Um, This one has two targets and Mm -hmm. they're like, they don't know each. Well, one of the targets doesn't know the other one is there. 
Yeah. And so there's kind of like a whole thing where they're really far apart. And the way that you approach them, you know, if you don't follow some of the mission stories is going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I played it, like I went up and killed the Rockstar guy really fast because it's like a really obvious way you can do it where you push him off a roof. Um, oh, yeah. The, but then, the, were, were you uh, tryout as his drummer? Is that the yeah. one? <laughs> yeah. You sit down and Agent 47 plays like okay rock drums and everyone is like holy shit <laughs> he played drums like the drummer from joy division just all super stiff <laughs> yeah it's actually amazing because it like something that's rare in this game where it like transitions to a little cutscene in the mission yeah uh, it's very funny but it's also funny like it, it's it feels very real because honestly it seems like he's not very good at drums but he's just like hot and they were like hell yeah get in here <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is exactly. basically how professional music works. Yep. But anyway, um, <laughs> like after I killed that dude, I had to kill the other dude and it was like really difficult. I couldn't figure out what to do or like how to mm. get him somewhere where I could get him. And so I ended up, what ended up happening was I lured him into this little backyard area and went through this super complicated thing where I planted a mine and it was like, it took way too long and ended up having to kill like way more people than just him. (laughs) And I don't know, it was just like, it was crazy. And it was just so funny to go from like this really posh recording studio setting, like Mm. all the way down into this weird, like kind of jungle warfare thing. One of my favorite things that Hitman lets you do is kill by proxy. And you can't do it on every stage, but I love it when this game lets you do it. And there's a there's a setup where you can have them meet each other, and they have a private meeting. And while they're meeting, uh, Jordan gets mad and pushes uh, Ken Morgan out the window. Oh, crazy! And just opportunities like that like make me so happy because it, it's like it's like you set it up, and then like someone else does the killing, you know. And the murder yeah. by proxy. Uh, there's not enough of them in this game. There's some more in Hitman too, uh, but. I wish there was a murder by proxy option in every stage. Yeah. Well, and I think that once again, that goes back to the puzzle game feel. I think the mm. more hands off a level allows you to be, or a mission story allows you to be, uh, the more it feels like setting up dominoes and watching them fall. And yeah, I think that's, you're right. Th- this game could do with more of that. Cause I think it is one of the best feelings in the game. And it's one of the mm-hmm. coolest things you can do. Yeah. Having a target die and you're not even there is super cool. Yeah, well, and the more just traditional action gamey the game gets, the less interesting it is. So, mm-hmm. and it's not really like a traditional action game at all, but there's moments where it's like, oh yeah. But the further it gets away from that, I think the cooler the game is. So yeah, totally. I agree. I'd like to see more stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bangkok has a bunch of great ways to take out your targets. I mean, uh, the hotel seems like highly interactable. You can... You can be like the exterminator guy and then have everybody evacuate a wing. And so they all come down to the lobby and then you can sedate everybody in the lobby and knock them out. Yeah. Um, You can kill Ken Morgan within like the first 30 seconds of the stage because right when you load the game, he's going to go sample some food from the bar. You just like spike the food and then like 30 seconds later, Ken Morgan's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, you, you could even do stuff like dropping coconuts on their heads, you know, things like that. Well, it's one thing I love about this game and that adds to the replayability. And, you know, it's kind of a metagaming thing. But if you look up the shortcuts for 
the stuff that you're not interested in doing on a given replay, you mm. can just do the shortcut and then just focus on the task that you want to do. Cause like, if yeah. you haven't noticed, I mean, the game is so deep that you can waste as much time as you want, just hanging out like in a stage. And yeah. maybe you want to go back and play a part and only focus on this one thing. You can figure out how to just shortcut the thing you don't really want to do. I mean, my first run of each stage take probably like 60 to 90 minutes. Once you're learning a stage and you're trying to figure it out, it could take a while. Oh, but then no, like totally. I could beat Sapienza in five minutes or less, you know? Yeah, I'd say the first time I approached most of these stages, it was at least an hour. And I think yeah. the longest was probably like two hours. Like the first wow. time I played Sapienza, I think I just played that stage for like two hours. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. you. Yeah, so. But yeah, a, a, a lot of people shit on the Bangkok stage, but it's got a lot of fun ways to kill Jordan Cross. Like, especially as a musician, like you can mix his record. Did you do that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, like, uh, there's a part where you can, like, watch a guitar player playing. And you could sabotage the microphone so he gets shocked. One of my favorite ways to beat the stage silent assassin suit only is to get to the vocal booth and just hide in it until he comes in. And I just, like, kill him with, like, uh, a lethal syringe. And then sure. sneak back out. And nobody finds him for ten minutes because he's in the vocal booth dead, you know? <laughs> yeah totally so good oh one of the one of the best ways to do it and this is another it's 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 you can so jordan cross was killed because he like killed his girlfriend and then there's evidence so you can sneak up to his suite and show him the evidence and you like sit on a chair while he's like begging for his life uh, and it's like super like scripted and the game does the game doesn't really do a lot of that so it's like pretty interesting well because like 47 is just like sitting in the shadows while jordan cross is like listening to the incriminating tape you know yeah it's pretty cool yeah for sure i get why people don't love love this stage though because i do think it looks a lot bigger and crazier than it is um that's true. It feels like a lot of it ends up being rather small and linear as compared to the other stages. Well, there's only a couple hotel rooms, really. Yeah. One thing that's funny is that if you go to the uh, bar where the drummer is, there's this uh, this woman that'll like hit on you and be like, oh, here, meet me in a little while. She'll leave her room key. And so if you take her room key and go to her room, you'll find her like husband blacked out. And if he wakes up, she's like, oh, what are you doing here? And all of a sudden, it goes into trespassing mode. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's the guy with the microphone. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, like there's lots of just fun little details, but... It's insane. I felt like the highlights for me were Colorado and Sapienza. And <sighs> Bangkok would not have been like top highlight for me just because of what I said, where it's like when you get there and you first look around, you're like, oh, this is crazy. It's like a whole hotel. It's going to be nuts. And then... It ends up feeling more linear than like you expect, you know, not as big. See you loving Colorado, but hating Hokkaido is like the biggest hot take in the hitman community. Well then let's do it. <laughs> the next stage Colorado is overwhelmingly everyone's least favorite stage of hitman one. Well, okay. So let me talk about why I like the stage. Uh, Colorado, it's like a farm and a farmhouse that has been basically converted into like 
a meeting point for a bunch of different like anti-government militias yeah it's uh, like a far-right alex jones militia outpost it's yeah. like if, if infowars.com had machine guns Yes. Now, so what's hard about this stage is that there's all these different factions and groups and they all have a shit ton of enforcers. Mm -hmm. So like as you're walking around, people are noticing you. If you stay in their line of sight too long, they notice that you're not supposed to be there and you basically, you know, the alarm goes off. People start hunting for you or actively shooting at you. Um, What I liked about this stage is that it's huge. And it has a bunch of different areas you can run to. So like there's mm-hmm. like an opening farm area. Then there's sort of like a second big area that has like an, uh, some crop fields. There's like a mechanics garage. Then there's like another kind of barn silo. There's a training ground and there's a house. So yeah. it's like this huge area. And because there's so many factions and so many different people, that means there's tons of costumes to change into. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like I said, my play style is like knock a dude out, take his clothes, run around, do some shit, knock another dude out, change his clothes mm-hmm. and then leave little like trails of disguises around the stage. And so that's exactly what I did. And there's one little like uh, outpost kind of shed that you can go into. And if you clear it out, there's only like two guys in there. If you clear it out, you can just throw all your extra disguises in there and use it as like a point of operation. So I was literally just going around taking disguises, going back, ditching them in the shed and changing them as needed. And then just going through each Mm -hmm. place. The other Mm -hmm. thing is that there's so many enforcers and it's so you have to stay out of sight so much that it actually forced me to like use the stealth like the real traditional like Metal Gear Solid stealth stuff in the game. Like you're talking about you just like to do that while playing the game. I only like to do it when I have to. So I didn't really do it in many of the other stages. But in Colorado, I was like full solid snake, Mm -hmm. except I was also constantly doing costume changes. Like I was, you know, like Janet Jackson or something. And like uh, also staged out of a shed. It was hilarious. It is exhilarating to get the Silent Assassin suit only rating on Colorado because it's sure. so difficult. Yeah. But so for my play style, Colorado was like perfecto. And it yeah. was so the way I ended up actually beating it was like so funny. Cause like the first time I played it, like I ended up luring one of the targets into the shed and then just like killing him in the shed. And then like, I don't know, it was just so slapsticky and it was so goofy, but then I just had to keep killing everyone who tried to go into the shed. Cause they'd like find his dead body. Yeah. <laughs> So I kept like running back and forth between there and the shed. And like when you're out in the fields too, there's some really funny like Benny Hill shit where you're like crouching behind a bunch of corn and a guy's like looking for you, but you're just like hiding (laughs) behind corn. I don't know. I I had a lot of fun with that stage. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to say what the worst stage is because I love all of them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Colorado is not the worst stage because they're all the best stage. I think Bangkok, despite having like the real catnip for me of having a, like a recording studio in it, <laughs> was one of the stages I was less interested in. But I liked mm. all the stages except for Hokkaido. Um, okay, well, you need to reassess your Hokkaido shit because Hokkaido is fucking tight. Okay, so here's what Hokkaido is. Hokkaido <laughs> is like, it's another kind of resort, but it's like a It's super- a hospital. It's a resort hospital for the yeah. ultra rich. It's a super high-tech resort hospital. So, like, everywhere you go is locked by these, um, like, microchips that are in people's clothes. 
Yeah. So, so you're given like a uh, a robe, and since you're a patient, you walk away. You can walk anywhere patients are allowed, and the door will automatically open for you. Yeah. Essentially. So the thing I didn't like about Hokkaido, like I said, I've been talking about my playstyle and how I play this game so much. I feel like everyone has a feel for what I'm talking about. And in Hokkaido, it's very small and cramped and it's very closed off. So you really have to do like specific things to not be seen or specific things to actually get into areas. And I didn't enjoy doing them. And it just felt like there was a lot of like waiting around and doing nothing mm. or just totally ignoring it and like going rogue unless I followed the mission story to a T and I didn't like doing that. Well, one you're wrong because Hokkaido is <laughs> freaking huge. And, um, I don't know. Um, it, it does mess with your traversal because of the locking doors. But once you learn how to exploit it, it's so easy to get around. Um, uh, one thing that you can use are um, disposable scramblers, which you unlock pretty early on in the game. Which You basically start the stage with like three free passes to get through any door. Sure. Uh, another cool thing you can do is knock someone out with a higher security rating than you drag them to the door and their clothes will open the door for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess like my thing is that like, I'm not saying that like I understand the stage fully and I don't like it. I was, I just didn't like that. You know, you've played so much of the game already and you want a change of venue. Like you want to see new things you haven't seen, but Hokkaido Mm. just felt like it played by different rules in the other stages. And a lot of the stuff that I had learned in the other stages and for the way that I like to play the game, it felt incompatible with Hokkaido. So I kind of just like sped through it and like, Hmm. I'll come back to it and try and figure it out at some point. I'm sure. But it's just like, it just didn't feel good to play. And like I said, I don't, I didn't like the stages as much that you just have to follow the story, which is also kind of how I felt about Bangkok, but just not as extreme, which is also why it's not like in my top, you know, there's really only one and a half targets. Because the second target is actually like on the surgery table going to get a heart transplant. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where a lot of your criticism is coming from because you can't really do a lot with that. Yeah. But luckily you can speed through it because pro tip, you can shoot his heart. His heart is in storage in the morgue. And you can just like shoot his heart and be done with it. And then you only Uh have to worry about the other target. Yeah, you can shoot through the glasses. There's, There's like all these like... There's like a puzzle about like getting the right key card for that door and then going there. You have to be a surgeon to get in there. So you have to have the surgeon costume and then you can like grab his heart and throw it in the trash. But the easy way to do it is to just shoot it through the glass. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the the little cut scene, if you kill him on the operating table is like really crazy and scary and weird. Yeah. Uh, So that was kind of cool. That was like when I was playing, I was like, wait, is this a horror game? I was like, oh no. (laughs) Funny story. Uh, the guy on the operating table, Eric Soders, he is the guy you're playing as in the training missions because the training missions are like quote unquote recreations of real assassinations. So you're playing Eric Soders old assassinations from the seventies or something. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I hated Hokkaido. I just like, it seemed like there was so much going on that I was just kind of like, I'll figure this out later. And my first impression of it was that I didn't love it, you know? See, but that's the thing. Maybe if people had liked the episodic model more, you know, the, you would have gotten these spread out. And I, I think 
people would have appreciated them more. I don't know. I played all six in a row, and I just loved every bit of it. Um, did you feel like you were kind of like rushing Hokkaido because of that, or how would how do you feel about if you had had to play this in a in the uh, release model that they wanted? I kind of did play it that way because I was playing it in between playing stuff for the show and in mm. between like crazy life shit happening to me. So like I did not sit down and play all these stages in a row. The only two that actually I sat down and played in a row were the f- the first two stages. Like, so you kind of did play it in a modular way. Yeah, I kind of did. Um, I felt like initially that was why I was appreciating some of the stages that aren't as loved, you know, uh, because I was playing it in that way. But then I got to Hokkaido and I was like, eh. But yeah. uh, I don't so, know. It's it's not a bad... I mean, the episodic model for this game is not a bad idea, but it's kind of just proven to be a thing that people don't like. Mm. And I think that this game is so huge and has so much to offer and so much to like explore that I don't think they needed to do that. I think they just needed to just put up a couple text prompts and be like, this is how we wanted you to play the game. I, I, I feel like in a way they overthought the structure and the release of this game. And it's funny because they reworked it so many times. Like Hitman 1 got a bunch of updates and they kept changing and reworking things. Sure. And then Hitman 2 made the game even easier and kept reworking things. Like, yeah. I remember playing Hitman 1 in 2016, and if you bumped into an NPC too many times, they would get uh, start getting suspicious of you. And now you can just, like, one of the great stra- cheesy strategies of the game is to, like, keep bumping the uh the bodyguards of the targets so the bodyguards are like way behind the guy walking ahead oh sure yeah um, and you wouldn't be able to do that in hitman one but they made it more accessible like through updates things like that well and i think those are all good moves once again i i think that this game works when it's just accessible and you can play how you want to play because it's still not like easy like yeah. if you just try and go and shoot everyone the minute you see them you'll probably die because you get really overwhelmed with dudes in most stages and like you can't take that many hits when there's like 30 guys shooting at you like yeah even though 47 has like zero percent body fat he's still pretty squishy yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know i i felt like they hit a really good balance with the version that i played you know which yeah. is obviously way after the original release but yeah, it, it works really well in that way. And once again, I think a lot of these games work really well when you're not just like hit with the crazy super difficulty and having your head like held underwater. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, after playing a bunch of games like that, it's you kind of have to force yourself to remember that like, oh yeah, games can just be like fun, you know? Hitman's yeah. fun as fuck. So yeah, there's only six stages in this game, and but they're huge and they like have like so much more opportunity to them so like because of the games as a service model they started adding like bonus levels using pre-existing maps yeah yeah so with sapienza you got two bonus maps one called landslide which is really cool because uh there's like a concert on the beach and uh this politician is giving speeches and so um one, you're using the beach more because that was pretty underutilized in the in the stage. But also, he's like blackmailing this lawyer that has an office on the second floor of City Hall. So you finally use that big City Hall building that you barely use in the original part of the game, and so it, it like really like utilizes places that you didn't really go a lot in Sapienza more. 
And then the icon is about like an action movie being rec- uh, filmed in Sapienza. And that one's really just in the courtyard of the town. So it, it just makes the stage smaller. It like gates off parts of the stage. But it, it works so well. You know? Well, and do you see the same thing with the extra stages that I played, which were the Patient Zero like storyline, which is a yeah. DLC. I mean, it basically just takes you back to four of the game's maps and then gives you different challenges. And yeah, it was really cool. Like it recontextualizes stages that you've already been to in a cool way, or it makes you like explore parts of it that you haven't been to. And in one, like the one in Colorado, it's literally just like a sniping mission. Sniper shit. Yeah. yeah, You don't leave your nest and it's just like a short little thing. I hated it. (laughs) I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Yeah. Cause it would be like, look for this and be like, Oh no, actually look for this. I don't know. It was kind of cool. Felt like a board game or something. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it kind of is but the last stage is cool because it's like it's just like a total clusterfuck it's a virus outbreak it's like yeah it's like real life yeah exactly you're trying to stop it and you can't uh yeah it's <laughs> i don't know it was cool i once again i think that like they do a good job of recontextualizing stuff you've already seen and they do a good job of using these like huge crazy detailed stages that they've made so if you boot up the game and you're not familiar and you're like oh there's only six stages like there's not there's actually like a fuck ton of content like within those six stages you know it's a lot of game yeah and then like you can do stuff like uh creating contracts where you it drops you into a stage and then you like pick out your targets and you choose how people want to kill them and then so you upload those to the internet and it's like uh okay you you kill the priest with uh, you have to drown him in a toilet without being seen or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's similar to the, the smash brothers games that I mentioned earlier where it's like sure. those, those hideous tacky overstuffed menus <laughs> as eye searing as they may be actually, you know, signal that the game has a fuck ton of content, which it does. Yeah. And just like those games do one real divisive thing that this game does is uh, elusive targets and they're, they're targets in the game that you can only play once and they're available for like two weeks. Yeah. And if you fail it, like you fail it. And, uh, I don't know. That's like super divisive. And most people like tend to hate it. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing where like, that's just been a debate ongoing in the video games industry where like, do people want to feel like, the game they're playing is live and it's living and breathing when it's not an online game or do they hate that? I think it's more of like, are they trying to like sell FOMO, you know, like, Oh, I have to buy the game on launch day. Cause I'm going to miss all this stuff, you know? And the more I wait for it to go on sale, the more content I'm going to miss. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's fair. Musicians do that all the fucking time. Like musicians do limited release stuff. That's only at shows or like Mm. stuff that's physical first and it won't be on streaming or digital for months or put out stuff that's exclusive to physical. I mean, that's just like a content release strategy. I feel like the more we talk about, the more I feel like Hitman was, they just overthought a lot of it, which is Mm. not bad. Like I think they were probably looking outside of video games and thinking like how do people do this how do you deliver this content like what if we acted more like you know like hulu or something than a company that made this video game and i think that gamers ultimate and people who play games um ultimately just they don't really like that they just want to buy the game and have the game i don't know what game is going to be the one that what game that isn't free to play is going to be the one that breaks people out of that habit or if it's ever going to happen here's my idea hear me out 
it needs to be Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. Why do we need a new Mario Kart when Mario Kart 8 has like 93 levels? Just keep adding to it and make make Mario Kart games as a service and Smash Brothers games as a service. Just keep adding characters and when the new console comes out, it's the same thing and you keep all your characters and shit. They kind of are already doing that with Smash Brothers, but I think you're right and I think that it would have to be more of an optics thing where it's like instead of being like this is dlc for this game and we'll put out a new game in three years it's like no this is the game and we're going to keep putting out like even more shit like single player campaigns and characters and maps and new moves and like all sorts of shit well that's what hitman 2 is it's really just more levels for hitman and that's what they did you import your levels from hitman 1 into part 2 like they kind of they did it in a weird way which is like confusing as all fuck but yeah, it will be cool to like have all three Hitman games in one EXE. Yeah, no, totally. And I think yeah. it's just gonna be, it's just gonna be who figures out how to package and market it in a way that gamers not only like but also feel good about liking and aren't super fucking confused by. Because this game is not the game because it confused the shit out of everybody. I could see it with like sports games because sports people they just buy the game once a year at sixty dollars, and then yeah. the next year the game is worth zero dollars and they all buy it for sixty dollars again you know why can't it be the same exe for five years and just keep updating the rosters every year something like that uh, sports games are i think gonna just end up being free to play because they make so much money off of the people buying loot boxes and cosmetics and stuff that at this point the actual <laughs> base game sales are sort of negligible it's like all about the add-ons they're gonna go so- fortnite they're gonna. I my guess would be that they're gonna go Fortnite. I think there's a lot of shame in like, oh, you're putting out a sequel. Things have to change so much, you know. No, it's okay to have like essentially the same game and have more stages, you know. Yeah, I mean, if it's great and it's deep and it like provides you with a lot to dig into, I totally agree. I think people, I think a lot of people's frustration stems from companies that do that, but the games aren't that great to begin with like it's like ocarina of time and majora's mask yeah it's the same thing yeah and and we're you know supposed to be getting another one in that vein like the breath of the wild version of majora's mask soon and i mean i don't think that yeah nobody's mad at that yeah nobody's mad at that (laughs) i mean okay let's be real somebody is mad at that but i'm just i don't want to talk to them Somebody cracking their knuckles about to write us a mean. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, you SJW piece of shit. <laughs> All right, so uh, Game Pro score uh, five out of five. Good job, IO Interactive. Hitman is actually as good as James keeps saying it is. It's like <laughs> fucked up. You know, it's fucked up because like you talk about it so much, and like a rational person would be like, "There's no way it's this good." I regret to inform you, it is exactly that good. <laughs> It's disgustingly good, and I just want to go play it again for 700 more hours. <laughs> 700 more hours. A thousand years of Hitman. That's my mm-hmm. rating. Mm-hmm. That's my official review of Hitman. A thousand years of Hitman. Bonsai. <laughs> Hitman for president. Oh, please, Hitman for president. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody, but especially Hitman. Hey, it's Game Club. Remember Game Club? Welcome back. We have a schedule again. We're going to tell you what to play. So, uh, next week, 
we are talking about horror shoot 'em up games, shmups, games where you're a tiny spaceship and shoot things, or not a spaceship. Actually, you're not a spaceship in either of the games we're playing, because we're talking about Blackbird, the weird shmup game directed by Yoshiro Kimura, who also worked on Rule of Rose. Ever heard of it? And we're talking about Death Smiles, uh, a cave developed shooter where you play like a little witch. Uh, yes, and then after that, we're talking about a couple of movies. What? Movies? Yeah. We are talking about the Fatal Frame movie. Uh, and then we are talking about Detention, the adaptation of Red Candle Games, uh, sort of side scrolling horror entry that we covered in a past episode so it should be cool i'm excited to check that out uh the fatal frame movie is really cool if you haven't watched that you can watch that on youtube so you also check that out and i might just post links in the discord uh but yeah very different take on the franchise and it's super cool and then after that we're talking about d and d2 uh that's kenji eno uh kind of legendary game developer made a lot of weird bizarro video games and yeah d was on the original playstation kind of an interactive fmv type of game and d2 was on the dreamcast more of a classic survival horror but with many weird twists to it uh yeah and then you know somewhere in there we might do another short episode, maybe another indie horror radio, maybe another uh, something in the style of that horror shmups episode where we sort of look at some weird games, unexpected horror games. Uh, and also, of course, the schedule is going to get thrown off whenever we're finished with Deadly Premonition 2, which comes out this week, and we're ready to do our episode on it because it's probably going to be like 100 hours long, the game and the episode and uh, we have to cover it. But we did decide that we're not going to rush it. So it's ready when it's ready. And I hope you're ready. Thank you for listening. I'll see you around.